Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. House this morning. Y'all need to settle down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. God is so good. Sound like we got some librarians in the house. Shh. I think it's my wife, actually. So. <laughs> oh, man, glad to have the kids with us in service. Um, first service, we baptized 15 people. That's powerful. We're going to baptize about 30 this service. And so we're just celebrating the life change. And so I just want to take, this is just going to be kind of a mini sermon. Um, don't hold me to that. But I'm going to do my best to preach a mini-sermon, and I just want to teach about baptism. Um, If you grew up in a a culture like I grew up in, you got baptized, but it really wasn't uh, taught on, like, consistently or in-depth. And so I just thought it was just, Jesus got baptized, hey, we're going to get baptized, right? Like, here's the thing, if Jesus does it, it's good enough for us to do it too, right? So they really don't need much more than that. But uh, just the kind of person that I am, um, it just felt like there, there's more to the story, okay? There's more to maybe what God might be trying to do. And so really, this has been like a two-year journey of like a, a dive and trying to find into Scripture kind of these, these themes of what God is doing in water baptism. Because how many of you know, like, if we're just getting Christians wet, I could just put a sprinkler on, right, and we could just kind of pass through or whatever. So so it's like, what's the real meaning? Like, what is the powerful thing that God would be trying to communicate to us to bring us into the understanding of what is actually happening when Christ comes in and takes residence in a human soul, right? It's a big deal. Like, God coming in to a human soul and dwelling and living forever and moving us into a reality that would give him honor and give him glory. So... So I kind of went on this kind of kind of deep dive, and it started two years ago at our men's retreat. We had Tommy Tenney come in, and he was teaching, and he was talking about the Word of God being so sharp that it could divide day from night, that it could split light and darkness, that it could separate waters from dry land, and then it doesn't come back together. Like, that's how sharp it is. Like, I was talking to a surgeon, and he said that he has a scalpel so sharp that it can cut, and you won't bleed. Look to your neighbor and say, that's sharp. That's sharp. And so the Word of God is kind of this, kind of this and I never thought of that in creation, right? Because, like, when you read the creation story, I picture God, like, His hand comes down, and He moves this out of the way, and He moves that out of the way. and it, Like, I'm picturing, like, this totally different picture. But when He said that, I just got enamored, and I'm thinking, what, what's going on here? So if you're a Bible nerd like I am, uh, I said, okay, what word is that in the original language used to translate divide or separate, and where else is it used in Scripture if it is at all? So as I started to look at where this word was mentioned, it's mentioned when it talks about the animal sacrifices in Leviticus, and it uses the same word as like a knife cutting. So when God is creating the universe, 
It's sword language that he's actually cutting something in two and dividing things with the word. And so then my mind starts connecting all these things. The word of God is sharper and living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of joints and marrow and to the vision of soul and spirit. And then I got to thinking about Jesus in Revelation when he comes back. Where's the sword when he comes back? Swords in his mouth. So there's this theme of the Word of God being this kind of cutting, dividing agent. So that when we see in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God is hovering over these waters. And as the Spirit of God is hovering over these waters, God starts speaking into the chaos and start slaying chaos and bringing order to everything that is disorder. See, that's what God's Word does, is it comes in and it speaks to the chaos in our life, and it begins to cut away chaos and begin to bring about order every time He says a word. That's why it's important that you receive the Word of God when it's taught or when you're reading the Scriptures. Why? Because the chaos that is your world, when you begin to receive the Word of God in your life, it begins to slay everything that is chaos and begin to put order to that which is in disorder like this is the thing and so I was just thinking okay why would they use this sword type language why would they use this kind of dividing type language well I got to dig in a little deeper and there's this kind of this polemic or this argument or this kind of fight that's going on and and it's all throughout scripture but there's like the people of God the city of God and then there's this other reality called Babylon Right? So there's like, the Bible is kind of a story of the tale of two cities. It's like there's one city that God's creating and he's bringing into order. And then there's this other city, the spirit of this city called Babylon. And what I didn't know is that the Babylonians, the ancient Babylonians had a creation narrative called the Enuma Elish. Look at your neighbors say Enuma Elish. <laughs> now don't try to interpret that because they're going to... Somebody just got filled with the Holy Ghost right there. Uh, Enuma Elish, okay? And in this story, I think I've got a picture of it. It's Marduk, and there is this sea dragon by the name. It's a sea goddess, and the representation of her is this kind of chaotic dragon, okay? And this chaotic dragon is called Tiamat, and so in the Babylonian creation narrative, here's, here's how they believed that Marduk, which was the Babylonian god, how he brought order to chaos and how he created the universe. Marduk fought Tiamat, and when, they fought, when he fought Tiamat, he actually cuts the dragon, the sea goddess, that's this chaotic being, cuts her in half. And half of her body Marduk used to make the waters above the earth. And for the other half, the story goes that he used that half to make the waters that are on the ground. 
So what the scriptures are serving to do is to take this same genre of creation narrative literature and to begin to set the record straight. To basically say, it's not Marduk that slays the dragon of chaos. It's not Marduk who separates the waters from above and below. That the one who separates the chaos is Yahweh, the one true God of Israel. And it's His word that goes forth and slays the chaotic waters and calls forth an Eden which is a place where God and man would meet and begin to walk in relationship together. That it's God who speaks and separates the chaos and calls forth Eden and and makes the meeting place of God and man. So that when he speaks into our life, you know what he's doing? He's slaying the dragon the chaotic, satanic spirit that's on the unsaved believer. And it's when that word, the gospel, goes forth, he begins to slay those chaotic devils and those chaotic demons. And he calls forth an Eden. He calls forth a place where we can meet with him and walk in relationship with him. He makes Eden out of us. But how does he do it? He hovers over the chaos and says, come forth. So there's this theme throughout Scripture where the Lord is trying to paint this picture of God comes into chaotic waters, begins to speak, and life passes through. And so we see this theme happening throughout Scripture. That we see, God, you remember the Exodus story with Moses? Is that God parts the Red Sea. And the children of Israel pass through the chaotic waters into the promised land and into the destiny and the place where he has for them. It's just this motif that the scripture continues to be committed to of this God's spirit hovering over that which is chaos and then speaking his word in to slay the dragon that is chaos and bring forth order. And bring forth. How many of you ever had some chaos in your life? And how many of you had God speak into the chaos? And then all of a sudden, they start to make sense. And you start to get some order to your life. It's like this is what God does. He brings dry land out of chaotic waters and plants a garden called Eden. And he does that in our hearts. So God separates. But here's what also God does. God separates waters. He speaks and separates day and night, light and darkness. But when it comes to men, you know what he does? He forms. So it's like in the Genesis creation narrative, we have the plan of God. Speak to the chaos and kill the satanic dragon by his word. And then take a human and take that clay and begin to form them into his image. Like this is what the story of scriptures is doing. That he gives us his word where we can kill the satanic dragons in our life. Where we can split the waters and just walk on through into the dry land or the good place that God would have for us. 
Genesis chapter 3, though, humanity unleashes chaos back into the world. And this is what sin is. This is why sin is so egregious. Sin is so egregious is because it pulls us back to chaos. It pulls us back to before when the Lord spoke and put order to everything. And so like when we walk into sin, we're actually undoing God's good creation where he's saying it's very good, and we begin to pull creation back into chaos with us. How many of you have ever been in a relationship with somebody that refuses to repent? Uh, do they pull you into better things? Or do they pull you into chaos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the idea here is that God would pull us out. So when Genesis 3, when men begin to fall into sin, they, they usher the world really back into chaos. And then we see in Genesis 4, we see Cain murdering Abel, and then we go, and then we're to the sixth chapter of this big, thick book, and God's already got to send a flood. How does the God flood the earth? The Bible says that he splits open the dry land and lets water back up. So that's what sin does. Sin pulls us back into chaos and undoes the good thing that God's trying to do in our life. So when the ground split and day two and three of Genesis gets undone, a flood comes and takes on and baptizes, in a sense, the entire world. But then in Genesis 8, 1, the Bible says that God remembered Noah. And that he tells this man, Noah, to build an ark. And... Uh, you think, you think I can preach long? This guy preached 120 years, illustrated sermon, okay? Um, yeah. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey, I'm going to take no on. I'm taking no on. Let's go. I'm taking him on. And he builds for himself an ark, a safe place that would rise above chaotic waters and preserve himself and his family. At the end of that reality that took place, Noah releases a raven, releases a bird. And Noah's trying to get a timeline of what's happening outside of this boat because when you're in the ark, sometimes you just can't see what in the world's going on outside, right? So he releases this raven, and the raven circles above him. And he watches the raven keep circling until the raven flies off. And then at that point, he understands that half the creatures in the boat are going to be okay because they're carnivorous, and they're going to be able to, to find food, and they're going to be able to kind of make it. But he's got others that are in this boat that he's going to have to have a different way, a different litmus test to know when it would be okay to leave the ark. And so then he grabs a dove. And this dove he releases. And the dove goes and then comes back. And he realizes the chaotic waters have not receded enough in order to step out and to go into dry land and live. So he sends the dove out again. The dove comes back a second time, but this time the dove has an olive branch in his mouth. He's giving Noah information on where the waters are at and when it's safe to leave the ark. Okay? So with that olive branch, that's a representation. That's a representation of the anointing, 
right? Because the anointing is this picture. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's the, the Mashiach. It's the, uh, the smeared one. The one that's been anointed by God who is going to change the whole entire world and bring the world back into the Edenic paradise in which God had originally intended. So when the dove brings back, it wasn't time to exit the boat, but you know what it was? It was saying, I'm not done with your life, Noah. I'm not done with the anointing. I'm not done with my plan, but I need you to stay on this ark a little bit longer until it'll be time for you to come off. And so when he sends out the dove the third time, it doesn't come back. Why? Because a dove nests in a tree, so it needs twigs and branches and sticks and things that are dry enough that it can begin to create a nest to where it doesn't have to come back. So when the dove didn't come back, he knew at that point that it was time to go. Now, we don't really see much about this dove throughout the rest of scriptures. There's little things here, a little thing there. Maybe Song of Solomon talks a little bit about a dove. But we really don't hear about the dove. So when the dove left, it's like, where did he go? Where did he nest? And we don't hear nothing else really about the dove until the baptism of Jesus. And then when Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came down like a... So the picture is, is that Jesus is the ark that is coming out of chaotic waters and is going to be the place to where the Holy Spirit is going to rest for the rest of time. Now here's something cool that happens, especially in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34, it says this, On the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I said after me comes a man who is greater than I am because he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so that he could be revealed to Israel. Now watch this. Verse 32, then John testified, I saw the spirit descending like a from heaven and it remained on him and I did not recognize him but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me the one on whom you see the spirit descending and remaining this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit I have both seen and testified that this man is the chosen one of God so here's this beautiful picture we see the dove go and not come back and when the dove makes a reappearance, it makes a reappearance on Jesus' baptism. And he's basically, it's hearkening back to this ark picture of there's a place for you to land and be safe from the chaotic waters that the one in whom has slayed the dragon of old Satan has come forth and he is coming forth for those who would believe in him and land on him too would come out of chaotic waters and begin to step into the destiny and the purpose and not just step out of chaos but step into a family. That God's not just doing a Noah's flood thing. He's doing a family thing too. 
Because the Bible says when the sky opens up on Jesus' baptism, and people haven't heard the Father's voice for like 400 years at this point. So it's like the skies part, the Bible says, and it's the same word there in the original language, to part as when Jesus tore the veil that separated the most holy place from the holy place. It's like when the veil was torn, it's the same language for the heavens opened up. It's like, it's like God said, I'm about to rip open everything that's separating my people from me, and I'm going to speak a word that's going to begin to give people hope again in the earth. And you know what he said? He looked down and said, I'm really mad and I'm done with these people because they won't change. I've tried and tried and they just won't listen. No, he looks down and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So get this. Here's a man. Jesus had not done one miracle yet. He hadn't performed one sermon. He hadn't done any work. He's a 30-something-year-old construction worker standing in waist-deep water. And God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What's God communicating to us? That he had God's pleasure before he did any work for him. That God was establishing identity before he sent him out to do any mission. And so what baptism does is that we stand in Christ in that same way. And that we are coming out of chaotic waters with him. And as we're coming out, the Lord of old is slaying the chaotic dragon. And he's separating the waters of chaos. And he's calling us forth as a new Eden, a place where God would live and we would have fellowship with him. And he would walk in the cool of the day as we walked in relationship with him. It's like God is calling us out of chaotic waters but not just to be saved, to be a family. To be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that's why we get baptized. Is we are leaving behind the old chaotic self that would exalt itself above God and His rule. And we're saying, no, it's God and His rule is going to bring me out of my old life. And I'm going to follow him the rest of my life, the rest of my days. And you don't have to go back. You don't have to go back. You don't have to pick up the old man. Satan will whisper in your ear. He'll whisper in your ear and he'll say, you got to go back. But guess what? You don't have to go back. It's that the decision to follow Jesus gives you the power to say no to sin and yes to him for the rest of your life. You don't have to go back. And this is why we follow him into baptism. That he would speak his word, call us sons and daughters, and split the chaos, and we would know who we are finally again, once and for all. The biggest pressure that all of us probably feel, or one of them, is that we feel like we don't have enough time. 
Anybody feel that way? I'm too far behind. Anybody feel like that? There ain't no real folk. Come on, it's 1045. I thought my real folk was at 1045 now. Come on. The holy people early, I, I didn't dismiss them. I'm talking to some real folk here. You that are in both services, ignore that. That was not true what I just said. Just, just pretending that never got mentioned. feel like, man, have I messed it up? Right? I've been divorced. I've been in addiction. I've been in, have I messed it? Has it? But you know the first thing God gives you as a gift? Eternal life. He said, hey, hey, he says, hey, baby, we got forever to figure this thing out. <laughs> we got forever to figure this thing out. It frees us from the pressure of satanic pushing and we can't make it and we're not going to, we didn't live. It's just like, no, we're in the family of Jesus. We're in the family of Jesus now. And how he rose from the dead, I'm going to rise just like that and be with God forever and ever and ever. Would you bow your heads with me, Lord? We're coming out of chaotic waters today. And we're agreeing with your word that is sharp and living and active, that can divide darkness from light, can divide joint from marrow, soul and spirit, the intentions of our heart from what you're actually saying to us. So, Lord, we pray that you just release that word. And what's that word that cuts through the chaos? It's this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> that cuts through every bit of, of identity of pain, of hurt, of failure. <laughs> You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. That's Satan's voice. That's Satan's voice. God's voice is, would you come today and be with me? Be with me forever. So, Lord, we pray right now you would just speak again over the chaos that feels like our life that is a lie, that's not reality. And that once again, out of that chaotic water, your spirit would hover and it would call forth an Eden on dry ground. So, Lord, call forth meeting places in this room. You're calling forth temples right now in this room. You're calling forth places where men and God would meet. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to transition into a time of worship. If you're here to be baptized, you can go ahead and go to the bathrooms and change at this time. When you get finished, just come and line up along this wall here. To my left, your right. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.